Okay, um, uh, reading today comes from Mark chapter 10 and we're going to hear about the request of James and John. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptised with the baptism I am baptised with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptised with the baptism I am baptised with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I wonder if you have ever asked yourself the question, what is the point of work? Uh, perhaps after a particularly challenging day, you've, uh, you've got home and you've thought to yourself, what is the point of it all? Um, what is the point of work? Or to frame it another way, what is it that motivates you, that drives you to get up out of each each day and into another day of, of daily labour, whatever that might involve? What drives you to, to get up when the alarm goes off? What motivates you? I saw a friend of mine just asking this exact question on social media just last Friday. He had a, posted a photo of himself standing at a wet railway station where he was waiting to head into his office with the caption, what keeps you going on a wet Friday morning? Uh, The most common response that people gave, coffee, Um, which to be honest, sometimes that is what it is that motivates us and keeps us going on a a day's work. Look, I really uh, appreciate the invitation this morning to uh, contribute to this two-part series on on work that you are doing here at St Jude's on what is, I really believe, a, a critical topic for us to consider together. And the reason I consider it to be such a critical topic is that we spend so much of our waking hours doing it. Uh, Like Nat said last Sunday, I too, when I speak of work and use that term this morning, am speaking about much more than just the activities that we might do that we are remunerated for, our paid labour. Rather, work in, in God's economy includes all of those countless 
unpaid hours of work that we might do around a home or in in voluntary service in a community group or local sporting club, Uh, the work of caring for children or caring for ageing and unwell relatives, Uh, the work that a student does. All of that is work in God's economy, which is why it is so important for us to spend time considering this topic because it simply fills so much of our waking hours. Therefore, it's important for us, I believe, to think about how do we integrate our Christian faith with this significant part of our life so that we know what it looks like to live as a person of Christ and honour Christ in this huge part of our daily life. Now, Natalie sent me a number of questions that she wanted me to consider about work in this sermon this morning. Questions like, how do I discern what work I should do? Uh, How do we actually work as a Christian? Who are we as Christians at work? So the what, how and who questions of work, all of which are big and important and significant questions that we may have of our work. But I think there is one other question which in some ways stands above and arching over all of those questions and that when we have an answer to that question and integrate that with our our faith and our work, it actually becomes so much easier to answer some of those nitty-gritty daily questions of what, how and who. And that question is why? Why do I work? What is the point of work? What should be motivating me and driving me in all of my daily labour? Is there something more than coffee to get me out of bed for another day of labour? And look, as good as coffee is, uh, you'll know already the answer is yes. (laughs) There is a distinctively Christian motivation that is to drive us in all of our daily labour, whether it's paid or unpaid. And that distinctively Christian motivation, when we embrace it, it helps us integrate these things of our Christian faith with our daily work and helps us answer those more specific questions of who, what and how. But look, before I come to uh, what that motivation is for those who are in Christ, let's just consider for a moment now a few of the other common answers that people might give to that question of what is the point of work because as we seek to engage with the world around us with with colleagues with peers doing similar activities to us I think it's important for us to know what might be some of the desires or motivations and purposes that are that are driving them but also to what degree might we have un adopted unhelpful motivations and desires and purposes for our work. And so I like to summarize these these five under or these these motivations under five broad headings up there on the screen. What's the point of work? Well firstly the point for many is finances. That is I work to live. So work is not an end in itself but it's a means to an end enabling me to live the kind of lifestyle that I would want to live. Often when you ask people what's the reason why they work, this is very often the first answer that they give, isn't it? Well, I need to pay the bills. So finances. Secondly, though, the point of work for many people is fulfilment. 
So finances is I work to live. Fulfillment is I live to work. Work is where I find personal fulfillment and meaning through what I achieve and accomplish. There's a recent popular book about work which illustrates this perfectly for us. Its title, you see it there, How to Find Fulfilling Work. Not how to find work that pays well, but how to find work that will fulfil me, will satisfy me. Fulfilment is something that many are motivated by in order to get into their work and do their work. What's the point of work? Finances, fulfilment, or perhaps thirdly, fame. It's very tightly connected with uh, uh, fulfilment, but in some ways a particular expression of that. In particular, this purpose of work is to make a name for myself, to be remembered for my achievements and my accomplishments. And in every profession, there is an opportunity to be driven by this goal of being known as the the best in my field. As I mentioned a moment ago, my background was radio journalism, and this was a key motivation that would be driving my colleagues, and I'll confess myself, often at times as well too. We weren't in it for the the pay, which was fairly ordinary, or the terrible shift work hours, but rather the the notoriety and the fame that might come with being heard on the radio or seen on the TV or having your uh, name on the newspaper byline. But it's a temptation, a motivation for many in all kinds of industries and work. So we've got finances, fulfilment, fame, and fourthly, family. Uh, This is one that my friends from an Asian background tell me that is particularly uh, common in their experience. Uh, In a more communal and corporate culture where my identity is shaped not so much individually by by the, the family that I am a part of, in this context, the family's value and worth is measured by the success of its members. And so, therefore, pressure can be put on children in this context to perform and achieve certain career success. So the children are not necessarily driven by personal goals, but the thing that is motivating them and driving them is the goal of pleasing their family. Now, of course, this can be true of uh, people from a- any cultural background, but is especially prominent in those cultures where identity is more corporate than individual. And finally, what's the point of work? Force, uh, or perhaps a better way to put this is power or control or influence, but uh, uh, that would have ruined my alliteration if I used those words. This is the idea of you know, rising through the ranks so that I can have increased influence and control over others. I think this particularly becomes a motivation for for why I work uh, the older I get and the further I get down my career. Uh, That reaching that point where, you know, being in middle management for the rest of my working life is, is not enough. And so I'm driven by this desire to increasingly go further up the rungs on the ladder. So there's five common answers that I think are driving many people in our culture today and perhaps us to varying degrees for why we might work. Now many of us might not articulate it like that, our colleagues might not articulate it like that, but underneath the surface I think these five capture a lot of the things that are driving people and motivating them in their work today. Now, it's important to recognise that within these five, 
there is some good in some of them. For example, Ephesians chapter 4 talks about the importance of working so that we can provide for our own needs, but also the needs of others. There's that motivation of finances. However, even though there can be good in some of these five, what commonly happens is that one or more of them become the primary motivation that is driving me and motivating me in my daily labour. It's the ultimate reason that I have for working. And when that happens, when any one of those five becomes the ultimate purpose of work for me, it necessarily takes on an inward, selfish orientation to it. Work becomes about what can I gain out of it for myself, for my betterment. And I think you'd realise at this point that such a motivation is obviously so at odds with the Christian faith and way of being. But not only is it at odds with the Christian, Christian faith, that selfish, what can I get for me, I also believe that when these things become the ultimate goal for people, work remains or becomes increasingly so dissatisfying and unfulfilling and frustrating. Because try as we might to get one or more of those five things for ourselves out of our work, we know deep down we can never quite accomplish it. Whether it's enough finances or whether it's enough reputation or whether it's enough applause and praise from my family and so on. These five, when they're the ultimate thing that we're pursuing through our work, well, it becomes a little bit like, as the writer of Ecclesiastes says, chasing after the wind, something you can never actually attain and strive as many people might through their whole working life to get there, reach the end and realise they've never got it to the degree they wanted it. But when work becomes something bigger, about something bigger than what can I gain for it for myself, I actually think it becomes more exciting, more stimulating, more enjoyable and most importantly, more God-honouring. And so what is that ultimate motivation that should drive us in all of our daily labour for the person who is in Christ, the Christian person? Well, one word, love. Love. What's the point of work? Here's the summary of this morning. Love. That's the point of work. Specifically, a twofold kind of love, a love of God and a love of neighbour. Not an inward orientation of what can I gain out of work for me, but a selfless orientation of how can I give and bless and serve and love others through what I spend my days doing. Now, Natalie actually mentioned this in her third point last Sunday, a a new reason for work, love as the purpose for work. And so in these few moments now, I just want to flesh that out a, a little bit more for us and show how this why is key to us integrating our Christian faith with our daily labour. But also it paves the way for us to answer those nitty gritty questions that we often ask about who, what and why, uh, who, what and how of our work. But why is love the ultimate purpose 
of work? Well, because throughout Scripture, we see love being the motivating, the primary motivating factor for God in how he works. And so as people who are made in his image and redeemed by Christ, so too is it to be our motivation as well. So let me show you this from a a number of verses from Scripture now, uh, starting with this being the motivating purpose for God in all of his work. Why does God work? Well, firstly, to glorify himself. Psalm 19, verse 1, a well-known verse. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. God's work, particularly in this verse, his work in creation, cries out to us how glorious must this God be? God's glory is revealed through his work. Or this verse in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. The Apostle Paul there says, we have seen what is invisible, namely the invisible qualities of God's eternal power and his divine nature. Well, how have we seen these things about who God is? Apostle Paul says, the answer is, through what has been made. His his work, his work reveals to us his glory, who he is, why he is worthy of our praise. But there's a second reason for God's work and that is to serve the needs of others. This verse from Psalm 104 captures it wonderfully. God waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The land is satisfied by the fruit of his work. As God provides for us abundantly through his creation. He cares for us and he serves us and so we are blessed and satisfied and our needs are met. He serves us through his work. But of course, we see the loving orientation and motivation that God has for his work ultimately, don't we? In his greatest work in history, And that is the cross, that verse that was read for us a moment ago from that passage. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to what? Give. There's that outward orientation. Give his life as a ransom for many. Indeed, the ultimate work of God, the cross, is actually where we see not one, but both of these twofold aspects of love being displayed and demonstrated in work. Because at the cross, is that not the greatest work which demonstrates the glory of God and how worthy he is of our praise? And is not the cross God's greatest work that serves and satisfies the needs of others. Namely, our greatest need, the need for the forgiveness of sins. It is in the cross, the greatest work of God, that we see those two aspects of that purpose of love coming together. God being honoured and glorified and people being served. This outward orientation is drives Jesus, drives God in all of his work, drives Christ to the cross. And so too for our work. What's the point of work for those who are in Christ? How does our faith integrate with our work? Well, we seek to glorify God and love and serve others. 
Or to put it another way, we seek to love God and love neighbour. Work as love. Well, what are the uh, implications of this for us? Uh, When love is our priority, what does an integrated faith and work uh, look like in practice? Uh, Let me just uh, outline three ways that we can think about this. We love through our work, in our work, and with our work, with the fruit of it. Um, So firstly, we love through our very work itself. When you design or build a road and it functions as it should, it's safe, it's easy to navigate, then those who will then later drive on that road have been loved by your work, your good work. Or when you provide financial advice to someone and enable them to have the wisdom to steward their money well and carefully and perhaps even also generously as well too, then you have loved that person through your work. When you take complex ideas as a teacher and you seek to bring them together in a way that makes them clear and coherent and easily understandable by your students, well then you have loved them in the effort that you have put into seeking to bring those ideas together in a way that is accessible for the student. Or or as a musician, when you take sound and you bring it together in a way where it brings beauty and joy and pleasure into people's life, well, then you have loved them in that work. Here's here's the the summary. In all of our daily labour, every act, every task, every duty that we undertake, we have opportunities to love others through the very work itself that we do. Doing it not in a shoddy way, which will only uh, harm them potentially or just not serve them particularly well, but doing it with the best of our ability with the person who will be the recipient of our work ultimately in mind. I mean, we may never know all of the people who are the recipients of our love through our work in this way. Um, Do you know the person who built the chair that you're sitting on this morning? I doubt it. (laughs) But right in this moment, their work is loving you, isn't it? As it provides you with comfort and safety as it holds you up. Timothy Keller has a wonderful quote that I think captures this reorientation from the, the burdensome nature of work when it becomes about what can I get out of it for me to what can I do to serve others? He writes this. He says, if the point of work is to serve and exalt ourselves, that what can I get for me? Then our work inevitably becomes less about the work and more about us. Our aggressiveness will eventually become abuse, our drive will become burnout and our self-sufficiency will become self-loathing. And you have perhaps seen that, haven't you? Either in the lives of people that you work with or even at times in your own life. I have. But he goes on, but if the purpose of work is to serve and exalt something beyond ourselves, an outward orientation to our work, then we actually have a better reason to deploy our talent, our ambition and our entrepreneurial vigour. You know, when work becomes about loving others, we're freed from that burden that we might feel we're under of needing to pursue finances or fulfilment or fame or family or force as our ultimate pursuit. We're freed instead to just go into our daily labour and creatively enjoy exploring how does my work love others and how can I do that all the more? 
So firstly, we love through our work. And I labour that one because I think it's the one perhaps that we're the least good at, at thinking about and recognising the implications of it. But secondly, we love in our work. This is something we're much more familiar with. It's the idea that we're that person in a workplace who acts towards others like Christ. Namely, that attitude of service. And there are so many ways that this can work itself out. Let me just mention one, for example. I mean, Christ, what does he do in his service of work? Well, one of the key things he does is lift burdens of us, namely, ultimately, the burden of sin. And so I think being a person who loves in our work might be looking and seeing what burdens are my colleagues under and how can I seek to, in some way, alleviate the burden that they are under. That's one small example. Or or perhaps you're in a position of leadership, then loving will look not so much like lording it over others, as we heard read in that passage from Mark 10, but rather we use our authority and our influence to serve. One writer puts it like this, do you have big ambitions for yourself or big aspirations for the people on your team? See how it just reorients the purpose of work there from selfish gain to the giving. And finally, we love through, we love in, and we love with the fruit of our work. See, all of our work, it produces something, doesn't it? Uh, Whether it's the things that we might make or the money that we're remunerated with. And that fruit of our labour is also to be used for the betterment of others. That verse there from Ephesians 4, which I referred to a moment ago. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. The fruit of our work is also to be used with an attitude of love. How can I use what I receive through my work to serve and love for the betterment of others? Well, at this point you might be thinking, Andrew, uh, you said uh, work was about love and it was a kind of a twofold aspect of love God and love neighbour. You've, you've really kind of only emphasised or illustrated um, the love of neighbour. And that's true. Um, there's a lot I could say more about loving God through our work, but let me just make this brief point. It is my contention that as we seek to love our neighbour through our work, we also begin to do the work of loving God and glorifying him. That is, that as we love others through our work, have an attitude of service in all of our approaches and interactions with our colleagues or whoever it might be that we serve through our work, we seek to, with our lips, make known to them the reason for this motivation, namely that we follow a Lord and Saviour And this is how he has worked and acts towards us. And so as we make the motivation and the reason for the motivation clear, this is how Christ acts towards me, then so God is honoured and glorified as we work in this way and are known for working in this way because of our faith. Well, finally, what about those nitty-gritty questions that... uh, Natalie sent to me that I mentioned at the start, the the what, how and who questions. Do you see how when you've integrated your Christian faith and work and the ultimate purpose for your work is love, it makes answering those questions a whole lot easier. For example, what work should I do? Well, 
with the skills and the opportunities and the, the passions that God might has given me, let me find the place where I can expend them to do the most loving. Or how should I do my work? Well, in each task, interaction, request, ask yourself what would it mean to respond with a, a loving outward orientation rather than a selfless inward orientation that's ultimately about benefiting me. Before you wash up that dish or you send that email or you change that nappy or you fill out that spreadsheet, just take a moment to ask yourself, what would it mean to do this task in a way where I'm thinking about the betterment of others rather than myself? And finally, who am I as a Christian at work? Well, I'm a child of God and I love by him, freed from the burden of needing to prove myself or gain something for myself through my work because in Christ I have everything. So who am I now? I am simply someone who goes out and I am a lover of others. That is who I am. Well, let me close with this story. Yeah, it was uh, from a number of years ago. Uh, it was a lazy Sunday afternoon and I was, I was sitting up uh, in my lounge room uh, with my then four-year-old daughter Jemima. She's 10 now, so this is about six years ago. And uh, she was playing with Lego on the floor and I was, uh, had my laptop out and was just sneakily trying to do uh, a few emails before the, the working week began. And at one point she turned and she looked at me and she had a slight note of accusation in her voice of, Daddy, what are you doing? Uh, to which I kind of fumbled out a response of, oh, I'm just trying to do a, do a little bit of work. Um, but then began a conversation about the, the nature of work. Uh, the poor four-year-old, you know, a dad like mine, you know, she opens the door just a crack and I come charging through, let's talk about the nature of work. And, uh, um, and, she, and she, uh, I made the comment to her that she's a worker like me. To which she laughs, you know, well, of course I'm not a, a worker, dad, I'm a four-year-old girl. And I thought, no, 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 time to start, you know, correcting her thinking uh, and theology at this, at, at this point in time. You can never start too early. And, uh, and so I pushed back and I said, no, of course you're a worker, Jemima. What is it that you do when you uh, help clear the table? What is it that you do when you pack up your toys? What is it that you do when you help unpack the groceries? What is it that you do when you put your shoes away in the cupboard? And she paused for a moment and then smiled and said, well, that's not work, Dad. That's just helping people. That's not work that you go and do each day or stay at home and do each day. In the Christian economy, that's, that's just helping people. That's just loving people. And may God enable us by his spirit to have that attitude and that motivation all the more for our good, for the good of others and ultimately for his glory. Let me pray to that end. Our Heavenly Father, you have shown such incredible love to us in Christ, that sacrificial love for us on the cross. May it be a model to us and a motivation to us to go and do likewise, knowing that in Christ we have everything. There is nothing more that we need to gain from this world or from our work. 
but we are free to be the people you have called us to be, people of love. Forgive us for the times when we have failed to do that and give us the wisdom of your Spirit to both prompt us and remind us of this motivation, to increase this desire of other person-centeredness in our daily work and the wisdom to know what it will look like to do that all the more. Amen. Well, we're going to sing now a wonderful song that really is a prayer to, to be this kind of people, the asking of God to take us and use us for, for his glory. So why don't we stand and we're going to sing. Thanks. Thanks.